Uh, Turn with me real quick this morning to the book of James chapter number 1, verse number 21. We are going to wrap up our series today called The Christian Walk. Uh, This has been a three-part teaching with today being the finale. And um, if you've been coming or watching this online, you know that this series is really about our journey to freedom. That's what God wants us to experience. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And I know that not everyone is experiencing that life to the full. And so I I believe that the Holy Spirit has prompted me to do a, a foundational teaching on this, to teach people how to walk in freedom. In week number one, we taught um, how that this walk to freedom begins. The the, the walk to freedom begins the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. In other words, when we get saved, that's when our Christian walk begins. And we learned in that week uh, that there are three disciplines that we can implement into our lives to start walking in that freedom. And those disciplines were attend church faithfully, because you're going to hear the Word of God, Uh, to pray every day, and to read and study God's Word. Once we give our lives to Jesus, then we need to start implementing those disciplines. Attend church faithfully, pray every day, and read and study the Word of God. Last week, we moved into uh, more of of what I would call obedience in, in our walk with God. We learned, and one of our big takeaways last week is that God's provision and God's blessings are connected to our obedience to His Word. In other words, God doesn't just bless us and put favor upon us because we live however that we want. His blessings and His freedom flow in our lives when we walk in obedience to His Word. One of the things that we learned last week is that provision follows obedience. So when we obey the Word of God, not just by reading it, but by doing it, remember we learn to be a doer of the Word of God. When we do that, we begin to walk in God's provision. We begin to walk in the abundant life. Today I want to talk to you about your true identity. Everybody say identity. I want to talk to you about this because um, this is key to your walk with God, to uh, to the confidence that you have, to the freedom that you experience. Knowing who you really are in Christ is key. It's what's going to cause us to walk with confidence, what's going to cause us to walk in boldness and begin to experience the things of God. So James chapter 1, verse 21, it says this. It says, Get rid of all the filth and evil in your, in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. That word it is a pronoun. What is that word it in reference to? What is it referencing? The word of God. So what James is saying here is that the Word of God has the power to save your souls. Now, I know when immediately when some of you saw my visual teaching aids this morning, you're thinking, oh, I already know all about this. Pastor Scott's been mentioning this for the last couple of weeks. Part of your statements are, are right. I have been teaching on this for the last couple of weeks or, or three or four weeks, been, been referencing this. I don't know that we all have a proper understanding of what this means, that we are a triune being, we are a body, soul, and a spirit. So I feel that that I need to spend some time here, because if if you want to know who you truly are, then you have to get in touch with your your spirits, because we are spiritual beings. 
We possess a soul and we live in a body. Every time I do a funeral, especially at the, at the graveside service, I always use the, the analogy that our bodies are simply an earth suit that God has given us so we can adapt to the, to the earthly environment. But it's not who we really are. The real us is the person inside of us, which is our spirit. So I want to take some time today and, and, and break this down so that you can understand who you are. Now, I do want to give credit to, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever watched or listened to um, Andrew Womack. I don't know if any of you have ever heard his name before. He is a pastor. He is a teacher. He is an author. And in my opinion, it's just my opinion, he is one of, if not the best teachers on body, soul, and spirit that God has blessed this planet with. That's, that's my opinion. Um, I'm not getting any uh, payment for saying that. But uh, in all the studies and all the different people that I have listened to and watched, I believe he is gifted in this area. So a lot of the illustrations that I, that I use, specifically this visual aid teaching that I'm going to give you today, come from some of the teachings that I have been watching on him. So, so let's start by looking at this. If you read the book of Genesis, you see that when God created man, that he formed him from the dust of the earth. So he formed a what? He formed a body, all right? And so when we die, our body goes back to dust. So God formed a body. He's sitting a little crooked here. There we go. God formed a body, and then he breathed into that body the breath of life, which is spirit, and man became a living soul. Okay, you can go and read that for yourself in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. That God created man from the dust of the earth. He breathed in him the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we see from that that we are a triune being. Body, soul, and spirit. But the real us is our spirit. That's the real you. Now, our soul and our body are things that God has given us to, to acclimate to this environment, this earthly environment, but the real us is our spiritual being. Now, it's pretty obvious that the body is what you see when you look in a mirror. It's what other people see, okay? Your soul is the mental and emotional aspects of your being. Uh, most people say it's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your feelings, it's your conscience. Some people will even go as far as saying it's your personality. Um, and then your spirit is the eternal part of you. It's the, it's the part of you that God communicates with. It's the real you. Okay. Now, if I touch your body, you can feel that. Right? I know this is, this is simple. Just go with me. I'm trying to explain something. I can also touch your soul. Not with my hands or, or my feet, but I can touch your soul with my words. I can say things that can hurt your feelings. I can encourage you and I can cause you your emotions to be um, uh, happy or elated. Or I can cause you to have joy. Pastor Jerry, you look amazing this morning. See, I can, I can, I can build him up. I can cause him to feel good about himself. I can also be mean and say things that would hurt his feelings, or I can cause him to have sadness, or I can cause him to be upset. In other words, I can touch him emotionally. Are y'all following me? 
I can touch him physically. I, that's weird, but and I can touch you emotionally. And 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 but the spirit part of us is a completely different matter. Each one of us are constantly in touch with our body and our soul. We feel that and experience that all the time. But but the spirit is a completely different matter. Um, I cannot touch physically or in the natural, I cannot touch my spirit. I cannot see my spirit. I cannot access my spirit in any natural or physical way. The only way that I can access my spirit, as we're going to learn this morning, is by looking into the Word of God. And this is something that all of us have to know and have to understand when it comes to our true identity. Because I cannot ask my spirit in any natural or physical way, it creates a huge challenge for the Christian walk. Because we want something that we can see, we want something that we can feel, that we can touch. But because we cannot access it directly with the physical, then it creates a huge challenge for us. This, this spirit part of us is the part that God communicates with. It's where um, life and power from God reside. All of that resides in the spirit. But in order to get that to affect our physical world, we have got to learn to access our spirit. Okay? Go with me now to James chapter 2, verse 26. Many of you know this scripture. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this. A lot of times we focus on the last part of this verse. James here says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. We've all heard that, right? Usually the emphasis is on the last part. Faith without works is dead. But I want you to look at that first part. The body without the spirit is dead. If you've been to the funeral of a believer, uh, they always reference what the Apostle Paul says, that that. That's not them. That person that you see in the casket is not them because the Bible teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the spirit has been removed. So that body is dead. So he's saying here, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So what we learn from this verse is that, listen, the life-giving part of us is in your spirit. This is very, very Important. The life-giving part of you is in your spirit, or it is the spirit, which means that if we want to walk in freedom, if we want to walk in God's favor, if we want to walk in God's blessings, if we want to experience the abundant life, then we have to learn to access the spirit. And the way that you access the spirit and the way that you discern spiritual truths is by looking into the word of God. The Word reveals spiritual realities. The Word reveals spiritual truth. So if you want to know what your spirit is like, which by the way is the real you, we're talking about identity. If you want to know what your, what your spirit looks like, if you want to know who you really are, if you want to know your true identity, then you have to be able to access your spirit, which the way that you do that is by looking into the Word of God. You can't just go by a, a feeling. You can't go by, by what you see or touch or taste or smell or hear. You can't go by what someone else says. Your identity is not defined by your past or what other people say. 
You've got to go into the Word of God. That's where you will see your true identity. Now let's go back to James chapter number 1. He goes on to say in verse number 23, this is something that we, we looked at last week. James says this, he says, If you listen to the Word, or you could substitute listen with the word read, if you read the Word of God and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. How many used a mirror? How many looked in a mirror this morning? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, it's pretty obvious that you didn't check yourself. <laughs> just kidding. Just throw some humor in there. Um, he says, if you read the Word of God or listen to it and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. But, everybody say but, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, what's he talking about? The Word of God. Okay, keep in, keep in mind, he's using this, this analogy, looking in, your, looking in a mirror, and he says, but if you look carefully into the Word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says, if you're obedient, and don't forget what you heard, don't forget who you are, that's identity, then God will bless you for doing it. James is likening the Bible, he's likening the Word of God unto a mirror that you look in to see what you look like. Now, let me kind of set this up with, with, with a mirror. A, a mirror gives you a reflection of physical truth. In other words, I can say that I don't have gray hair. Don't laugh. But I can say I don't have gray hair. But when I look into a mirror... That mirror is a reflection of physical reality. Of a physical, that mirror is giving me a reflection of, of the physical truth. Are you, do you follow that? I can say that, you know, there, there's nothing stuck between my teeth because I don't feel anything in my teeth. But when I look in the mirror, that mirror is giving me a reflection of physical reality. Yes, you may not feel anything stuck between your teeth, but there it is. That mirror is pointing it out. And so just like a mirror reflects natural truth, the Word of God reflects spiritual truth. Even though you don't feel a certain way, even though you don't see certain things or hear certain things or taste or touch or, or smell certain things, the Word of God is a reflection of what spiritual truth is. I hope you see this. James is liking it to a mirror. Just as my body uses a mirror to see what I really look like, see what other people are seeing, the Word of God is a mirror to show me what I look like spiritually, what my real identity is. So I'm telling you, if you want to know who you really are, you have to look into the Word of God because the Word of God is a reflection of what spiritual truth is. Now, you can't see that in a physical mirror. I can't go to a physical mirror and say, I want to see what I look like in Christ. I want to see who I really am. Because remember, that's just your body. Aren't you thankful that that's not your true identity? You, you, can't see, you can see what your face looks like. You can see the color of your hair. You can see the color of your eyes, your teeth, your nose. But you can't see your true identity. You cannot see your spirit. But when you look into God's Word you see the real you. 
You see the part of you that got made new at salvation. You see your true identity. You don't see shame and guilt and condemnation. You don't see anything that God's holding against you. You see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you look into the Word of God you, you, and you look at yourself in His Word, you see a reflection of Jesus. You see someone who is perfect. You see your true identity. The Word of God gives you a perfect picture of who you are in your spirit. Now, I'm taking time to teach this this morning because if you don't understand this, this concept of body, soul, and spirit and how this works, then, then you will be frustrated in your walk with God. It will bring confusion. And ultimately, it will bring unbelief. Because you're looking at, at, at the physical or you're looking at your feelings and, and, and your emotional uh, distress or discouragement or depression and, and, you're, and you're thinking that I'm not born again. I'm not a child of God. So this is why I wanted to do this visual teaching so that you need to understand that this is the real you. That's the only part that gets saved at salvation. I've been teaching this. That's the only part of you that gets made brand new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17. I know this sounds like a broken record, but, but these are things that should be foundational. Not just scriptures that you know and can quote, but you need to understand the meaning of this scripture. Because we're talking about identity. Everybody say identity. Who you are in Christ. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Look at that word new. He's new. It's not a fixer-upper. He's not got Bondo or Band-Aids. He is a new creation. A new person. Old things have passed away. That is past tense. They're, they're gone. They have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's not that they're going to become new. They have become new. New. Now, now let's think of, keep that up there for just a second. Uh, now let's, let's go back to our visual aid here. Paul is saying, if anyone is in Christ, that means if he has begun the Christian walk by accepting Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, then he is a new person. By a simple process of elimination, we know he's not referring to the body. That was not made new at salvation. If you were bald before you were saved you're still bald once you get saved. Freckles, scars, anything that's, that you would consider a physical impairment or, or weakness. So we, know, so we know that when he says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, the old has passed away and everything's become new. We know, we're in, all, we're in agreement, right? That he's not referring to our body. Can you imagine the people that would be coming to church today that if you got a new body, the moment that you accepted Jesus? You couldn't... You, we would have services 24 hours a day to get people in. All right, so we know he's not referring to the body. We also know by a process of elimination that he is not referring to the soul, which is your mental and emotional part of you. Okay, if you were depressed and discouraged um, over your finances before you got saved, um, even getting saved, especially within the first couple of weeks, or it, now over time it, it, can, it can change, but especially that first moment that you get saved, you're still depressed and discouraged over your finances. 
Now, this, <laughs> Pastor Andrew Womack, I'm not going to say what I am going to say, but he said it. He says, if you're stupid before you got saved, you're, st- <laughs> you're still good. Okay, it's, write him a letter. You're going to be stupid out of here. You're ignorant. I mean, if you don't understand math before you get saved, you're still not going to understand it after you get saved. So this, is, this, this part doesn't get made new at salvation. So if he's saying that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, the old is gone, new has come, the only part of you that gets made new at the moment of salvation is your spirit, your real you. That's where the rebirth happens. That's the part of you that is born again. And guess what? When you read, the Ro- read Romans chapter number 6, it talks about being buried with Christ in baptism. Your old spirit dies. And you're given a brand new spirit. The real you. That's, I hope, man, I hope this helps somebody. That's your true identity. That's who you really are. And your spirit is the only part of you that gets changed at salvation. And not only does your spirit get changed at salvation, watch this, it gets instantaneously changed at salvation. It's not a process. When you repent and and make Jesus your Lord and Savior, boom, you are a new person in Christ. It is instantaneously made new. Now, why am I taking the time to teach you this this morning? Because if you don't understand that the change, the instantaneous change takes place in your spirit, and it has to work itself into your soul and in your body to eventually affect your your, um, physical world, if you don't understand that the change happens here, then it's going to cause you to doubt and be frustrated and question whether or not you're even born again. Because you're going to say things like, well, you know what? I thought I was saved, but I don't, nothing's changed. I don't feel any differently. I, I guess nothing happened. I'm still the same. But the Word teaches us that if you're truly born again, then your spirit right now, everybody say right now, is as perfect as Jesus. Yeah. We are joint heirs with Christ. That his, he gives us a new spirit, and His Spirit comes to live inside of us. Wow! That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the old spirit is dead. We have become brand new. We have been given a new identity. Now, since this part is made brand new, it's changed, it's saved, it's as perfect as Jesus... Now we have to get our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, in alignment with our true identity. And when we do that, then it starts flowing into our physical world. In fact, you can say that, that our, our soul functions like a, like a valve, if you will. If this is... If this is not opened up to your true identity, then it's going to block the life of God inside of us and keep it from flowing into our physical world. But if we can get our mind and our will and our emotions, our our thought life wrapped around who we truly are, it's going to open up the gates and allow our true identity to become part of our physical world. One of the most important things that you're going to hear me say this morning is this, is that your spirit has to flow through your soul to get into your physical world. It has to. 
What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings. You, you, got, you got to get your mind, you got, to, you got to think it and believe it before you can see it. So your, your spirit has to flow through your soul to get into your physical world. I, man, I hope you're taking notes because this, this, this series is about experiencing freedom. It's about walking in freedom. Walking in, in joy and peace and love and all these things that God has for us. So we have to get our soul in alignment with our spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8, 11, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you as a believer. Now we, we know these verses, but do you ever stop and think about what that means? How many believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Yeah, it should be all of you. If you don't believe that, you can't be saved. So, so the scripture here is saying the same Spirit, Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells inside of you as a believer. So if you're a child of God this morning, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Just, just chew on that for just a moment. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me as a believer. But if my mind is closed to that, if my mind and my thought life doesn't embrace that, then I can completely shut my physical world off from the power of God that's inside of me. I can be experiencing depression, discouragement, um, hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, while the whole time in my spirit is love, joy, peace that simply just needs to be released into my physical world. Do we, do we see that? If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in here, then when I'm depressed and discouraged and, and bitter, it's not like the spirit of God has evacuated. If you're a believer, He's right here. So what I need to do to get him into my physical world is I need to get my thoughts and my, my mind and my emotions and, and my beliefs, I need to get them wrapped around my true identity so that that can flow into my physical world. The pastor, I feel sick. The doctor says I'm dying. Here's my medical record. If those thoughts are what dominate, or dominate your mind, I'm not saying those things aren't physical realities. Yes, the doctor may have told you that. Yes, the doctor may have given you that medical record. And if those things are dominating your thoughts and your mind, you're going to completely shut off the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead from flowing into your natural world. And this is true in all areas. All areas. Now, when I, I'm about to tell you something and, and keep this in context of what I'm teaching you, okay? But when it comes to your triune being, your soul is the most critical part of you walking in freedom. Now, when I say keep that in context, obviously your spirit man has to be made new for you to go to heaven. But this series is about how we walk in freedom. How we experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And when it comes to walking in freedom and experiencing the abundant life of freedom that God has for us, your soul is the most important part of your being. Your soul has to come into alignment. Your mind, your will, emotions, your thought life has to come into alignment with who you really are. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. A lot of these scriptures I'm using are, are if, you're, if you go to church at all, I mean, these are, these are very, very um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're used a lot. Okay? Very common. But do you know what they mean? That's why I'm trying to teach you this. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And then he tells us how. By the renewing of your mind. Your mind is part of your, your soul. So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, now keep that up there for just a moment, please. The word conformed and transform I have underlined. The word conform means to be poured into the mold of. In other words, this world is going to try to press you into its mold. We are constantly bombarded by pressures from this world to try to mold us into a certain form. Uh, we are pressured and pressed by the devil. We're, we're pressed by culture. We're pressed by circumstances. Certain circumstances happen in our lives and it tries to form us, or you could say conform uh, you to the world. But here's the good news. We get to pick and choose what shapes us. We get to pick and choose what shapes us. Now, the word transformed, everybody say transform. The word transformed in this verse comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is the process. This, 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 is, this will blow your mind. I mean, and I know this stuff. I learned this in school, but when you start tying this into to God's word and how it's used in the scripture, it's just it's fascinating. It's fantabulous. It's it's incredible. It's wondrous. It's all of those words. Metamorphosis is is the process of a caterpillar, a caterpillar or a worm. Becoming a butterfly. No resemblance. I mean, you, you got a, a caterpillar that's, you know, however it works. Some, Pastor Brad, come up here and demonstrate the worm for us. No, just kidding. <laughs> that would be worth your time and money today that you can. But, but you, you, it's the process of a worm. Something that's, that's stuck to the ground, something that's bound to the ground, becoming a butterfly, that's something that's beautiful and can fly. It's, it's a completely new creation. The word there is, is um, translated to transform. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world pressure you into its mold. Don't believe everything that you hear. Don't, don't believe everything that, that you see and, and all the reports and what other people say is good and what other people say is right and what other people say is wrong. He says, don't be shaped to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, you can be someone different. You don't have to be that bound to the same curses that has affected your family from generation to generation. You can be transformed. You can be the person that that curse stops with in your family. You don't have to be addicted to drugs your whole life. You don't have to be shaped in this identity. You can be born again and have a new identity. So what he's saying here is that if you want to change from a bitter person, um, a hurting person, 
a discouraged person, a depressed person, a defeated person into a victorious person, it happens by renewing your mind. Or going back to what James says in the book of James chapter number 1, it happens through looking at the Word of God, doing what it says, because that's what will save your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your fit, the way you feel, your personality. Yeah, I mean, you just... Are y'all getting this? See, and I don't think that we mean this wrongly, but we, we use the, the word soul a lot. Like, we'll say, man, we had three souls saved today. God, I pray that you would save their soul. And we use that like it's the same as our spirit. And I don't, I don't think that we're meaning bad by that. It's just that we're, I don't want to say ignorant, but, but we're uneducated. The Bible, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, I believe, that the Word of God can divide asunder, it can separate the soul from the Spirit. In other words, it's not the same thing. So the only part of us that gets saved at salvation is our spirit. So the way we get our souls saved is by renewing our minds, by receiving, accepting, and doing the Word of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says this. It says, For to be carnally minded is what? Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now let's think about this for a second. The word carnal there, it just, it just means to, to be fleshly, to operate in the flesh. Now, not all uh, carnalness or carnality, I don't know the proper form of that word, but not, not everything that's carnal is sin. But everything that's sin is, is carnal. Okay, so what he's saying here is don't be carnally minded because that is death. In other words, don't let, don't let your mind be dominated by what you see, hear, touch, taste, smell. Don't let your mind be dominated by your five senses, the physical, the, the natural. There is no life in that. There's only death. And death is not just the physical state of, of death, but it's anything that is the result of sin, such as depression and anxiety and sickness. He says, don't let your mind be dominated by those things, but rather let your mind be dominated by your spirit, because that's where life is. I hope I'm helping somebody. Don't get excited. I hear music playing, but I'm nowhere near the end. <laughs> he says, be spiritually minded. In other words, watch this. This is very important. In other words, you can perceive a reality beyond the physical. Through faith, everybody say through faith. Through faith, your soul can see into your spirit. And it can believe things that you can't see with your eyes. It can believe things that, that you can't hear with your ears. It's, it's, you, I say faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. But yet God, we, we sing a song here from time to time, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I believe, this, this is my personal belief, and I think I can back it up with Scripture, but I believe that your spirit, man, whatever that looks like, we don't really know, but I believe that there are spiritual eyes and there are spiritual ears. 
And though we may not be able to see things with our natural eyes, and and, and though we may not be able to to feel things in in our soul, I believe that there are certain things that we can see and that we can hear and that we can sense in the Spirit as we look into the Word of God. Just as, remember, James is using the, the analogy of the Word of God being like a mirror. Just as I look into a mirror, I can see physical truths. When I look into the Word of God, I see spiritual truths. I see who I really am. I see that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I see that no weapon that's formed against me can prosper. I see that greater is He who is in me than he that's in the world. I see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Identity. But if you don't learn to renew your mind with the Word of God, you will never see those spiritual realities. You will never see who you really are. You will never see the real you. You will never experience the life of abundance. You will never experience a life of freedom that God has for you. You will shut yourself off from the life and power of God that's inside of you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I'm getting close. I was kidding a while ago. Ephesians chapter, it's, it's a holiday week and you guys ain't going nowhere. Let's, is this helping anybody? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17, Paul says this, he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer, what? Walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In other words, he's talking about unbelievers. He said, he's writing to the church, he's writing to Christians, he's saying, don't walk like unbelievers Walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, look at this next phrase, being alienated from the life of God. Unbelievers are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. I believe what Paul is saying here is that when you allow your mind to be dominated by physical and natural things, it alienates you from the life of God. He's saying, he's telling the believers, don't walk like unbelievers walk. I don't believe he's just talking about the physical act of walking. I believe he's talking about the things that we believe. Because we hear all kinds of things. We see all kinds of things. Teachers and coaches tell us things. Parents, bad parents tell us things about ourselves. It can crush us. It can hurt us. It can scar us. It can squish our potential. He's saying, don't let your mind be be dominated by those things. Don't let your mind be, be dominated by what you're hearing with these ears. But let your mind be dominated by, by what you see in the Word of God. Because if, they're dom- if your mind is dominated by, by the things that you see and hear with your, with your physical being, then it's going to alienate you from the life of God. But if you look into the perfect law of liberty that sets you free, and you see who you really are, and you let that dominate your mind, then you are going to experience the life of God. Listen listen to me this morning. You You don't need more of God. I know I just got your attention when I said that. You don't need more of God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the fullness of God is inside of you. And I've used this before. I know you get tired of hearing it, but that's okay. 
When you learn it, I'll quit using it. <laughs> Sorry. Come on, Sky. Anyway, it's, when you get born again, God doesn't say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put my big toe in you today. And when you clean yourself up, and you start showing me that you're going to be faithful to the house of the Lord, then, then, then I'll get a little bit more inside of you. That's not how it works. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. All things have become new. The full, God's Spirit whoo, comes to live in you. The fullness of God is in you. So stop saying, God, I need more. If I just had more of God. No, no, no. You just need to decrease so God can increase. That doesn't mean God's getting more of you. It's that you're crucifying more of yourself so that more of God can flow through you. Man, that's good. I'm going to buy this tape. That's, that's good. You, you just, you don't need more of God. You just need to get your soul. Everybody say your soul. You need to get your soul in alignment with your spirit. And how do you do that? By looking into the Word of God. One more verse, and I promise you, this is the last one until the next one. John chapter 3. Excuse me, 3 John, sorry. 3 John, verse number 2. It's just one chapter. I've never looked at this verse this way. Now, this is the English Standard Version, and, and it's not that I'm trying to you know, look for a a translation that is, you know, that tries to prove what I, I say. I, th I think this actually says it best so that we can understand it. Look at what John writes. He says, Beloved, he's writing to the believers, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. What's he saying there? I believe... That what he's saying here is that our soul is vital to experiencing all the things that God has for us. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to walk in, in, in health. And the way that that happens is by getting your soul in alignment with your spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Getting that in alignment with who you truly are, your real identity. How does that happen? By renewing your mind in the Word of God. Getting into the Word and seeing who you truly are. Learning to see who you really are in Jesus. Learning to see the new you. Learning to see your true identity. And I believe this morning that if you will embrace these things that I have taught you, not just today, but throughout this series, I believe that if you will embrace these things, that you will start seeing this, this perfection that's in here. How many believes this part of you is perfect? I believe if you'll start implementing this teaching into your life, you'll start seeing the perfection that's in here start working its way into your physical and natural world. But the ball is in your court. I can, I can teach you the Word, but I can't make you obey it. I can't, you know, people, are people. please don't do it today. Um, and if you do, it's probably because you're not paying attention right now at all. But, but people, I, I, can pre, I can teach a teaching and immediately after service, someone come and, and say something or ask me something that complete, that's in complete contradiction to what I just taught. And, and I'm going to just tell you, that the, the human side of me wants to shake them and say, where have you been the last 45 minutes? I just taught this. 
And my point behind telling you that is this, is that I can't, I can't wave a magic wand and fix you. I can't give you a pill today that's going to alleviate your depression, your discouragement, or your sickness. But I can teach you what the Word of God says. But it's up to you to put those disciplines. It's up to you to put this into practice. It's up to you to look into this mirror this week. That's your responsibility. Are you going to do it? Let me pray for you this morning in closing. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of the Word of God. I thank you this morning, God, that there is life in your Word. That there is freedom in your Word. That there is liberty. God, being set free from things that we've been bound to for years. God, that is found in the Word of God. God, and I thank you this morning as we have taught on spirit, soul, and body. God, I'm thankful that you didn't just put a band-aid on me and you didn't just put some bondo and, and cover up my mistakes, God. But when I gave my life to you and I repented of my sin and believed upon you as my Lord and Savior, God, you made me brand new. I have been given a new identity. I am a child of God. Wow, this, just the power that's behind that statement. And anyone that's in this room today or anyone who will watch this online later, God, if they have put their faith and trust in you, they have been made brand new. That's the power of your word. But now, God, we, we need obedience to your word. We need disciplines in our lives so that we can get your word inside of us so that we can renew our minds and begin to be, get, begin to be transformed so that we can see what's happened in our spirit start to flow into our physical and natural world. And God, I know that not only do you want to do a work in us by getting our soul in alignment with your word, but you want to flow through us into this world to bring hope and life to every hurting and discouraged person. Lord, right now, God, I, the ball has been put in the court of your people today who's heard your word. I pray that decisions would be made to surrender their lives to you, to get their minds and their thought life in agreement with their true identity. And God, if there's one that's in this room today who is not a child of God, that before this day is over, before this service is over, that they would say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the only way to heaven and today I confess you as the Lord and Savior of my life. That they would believe in you and start applying your word to their lives. God, as we do that, I believe that victories are going to come. I believe that miracles are going to happen. And we just receive those things today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man. Can I just say this? God loves you. God is for you. Once again, Jesus came to give you a life of abundance. And if you're not walking in that freedom... This morning, listen, we all go through seasons. We all go through cycles of life where sometimes, sometimes circumstances are good and life is good. And then it, then it seems like we run into a wall and something happens in our life and, and we go through a low spot. But I, I'm here to tell you that this, this, the mirror of the Word of God is always there. It does not change based on your circumstances. So if you'll go and look into this, this Word, this this liberty that will set you free. If you'll look into it, I promise you, 
Your mind is going to be renewed. And though you're walking through a valley of a shadow of death, you're not going to fear anything because the Lord is with you. His presence is going to envelop you and you're going to have joy in the midst of sorrow. You're going to have peace in the midst of trouble. That's what the Word of God can do. That's your true identity. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget your bulletins. Keep them with you uh, for announcement purposes. And I know you made notes on there, so keep those for reference. You guys are dismissed.